0: While the South Carolina Gamecocks managed to defeat the Georgia State Panthers 35-14 to on Saturday night, the results from how we got there was a little bit of a mixed bag. Locked on Gamecocks, your daily podcast on the South Carolina Gamecocks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Gamecock Nation, and welcome back to the Locked on Gamecocks podcast, your show for daily headlines and potential storylines on your favorite South Carolina Gamecock sports teams. I'm your host, as always, Andrew Lyon, and thank you once again for making the Locked on Gamecocks podcast your first listen every day. We are free and available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast daily. And as I mentioned in the cold open, the South Carolina Gamecocks did indeed finally play a football game this past Saturday night in Williams-Brice Stadium under the new LED lights, which was super cool to see being there live in the stadium. And the South Carolina Gamecocks, from a score perspective, would be able to take care of business as they did defeat the Georgia State Panthers 35-14. to But I have to admit, the way in which South Carolina Got to that score, the way in which they reached that final outcome um, is quite frankly, in my opinion, a game which is going to be very hard to replicate against some of these other teams on South Carolina's schedule. And there were certain units on this team that, quite frankly, did not play up to snuff on Saturday night. Who were those units? Well, on today's show, I'm going to go over some of my takeaways from the offense, defense, and special teams from this past Saturday night's game. And then at the very end, I'll talk about what this means for the team going forward and discuss quickly sort of what we need to look out for with this Arkansas team who we're going to be visiting in week two. So let's go ahead and get on into my takeaways from week one. So, starting off with the offense, my overall takeaway that I had with the offense was this. There were some mistakes that were made that are correctable. But there are others that look like some signs of trouble. Mainly with execution and not the play calling. And I'm not trying to overblow anything because I get it. It's week one. But as I dive further into this, I think y'all understand where I'm coming from with this whole takeaway. So let's start off at quarterback with Spencer Rattler, his first ever game wearing the Garnet and black. Now Rattler, honestly, his results were a bit of a mixed bag on Saturday night. And I will say some of these mistakes that he made were not all on him. And I'll get into that later on. And he did show an ability to get out of the pocket and evade pressure, which he has done his whole college career up to this point. But There were times where Rattler was trying to move around in the pocket, and he seemed to kind of run himself into trouble more so than away from trouble basically if he was running up in the pocket you know maybe those guys were sort of getting pinched in and he would run up and then have to stop and then cut immediately laterally to his right or left which obviously for a quarterback is not a good situation when you're trying to either move up or out of the pocket he was pretty accurate overall with the football he did have times where the ball came to a receiver way too hot especially a brown which i'll get into in just a couple moments He also made some throws that made you go, wow, this is why this guy was so highly touted coming out of high school and in his first couple of seasons at Oklahoma. And the biggest example of this was his 41 yard rollout pass to Jalen Brooks down the right sideline with a couple minutes left in the first quarter where he evaded pressure and while rolling to his right threw the ball down the field perfectly almost in stride but of course Jalen Brooks did have to lay out a little bit to get the ball but he pretty much put it in the only spot where Jalen Brooks could get the ball which at the end of the day is the quarterback's main job when they're throwing the football to their wideouts now he did also make some throws that will sit there and make you scratch your head and wonder what on earth was he thinking there and The best example of this from Saturday night's game was by far his second interception of the game, which was on the last offensive play for the Gamecocks in the third quarter. It was a third down and two, and Rattler rolled out to his right, and instead of tucking it and running in himself, which he could have, or dumping the ball off to Juju McDowell in the flat, which he also could have done because Juju had literally no one right on top of him, he decided to throw the ball deep downfield. And try to force it to Antoine Wells Jr., who had not one, not two, but three Georgia State Panther defenders in the area. While only one was directly on him, there was another two where, you know, if the ball had even just been tipped, they could have had a chance to pick off the ball themselves. So it led to a lost drive for South Carolina, who was looking to try to maybe ice the game at that point. So overall, Rattler didn't play bad, but he needs to make some better decisions with where the ball is going. There's no question about that. Now let's move on to probably the biggest disappointment from this game, which was the offensive line. A unit that continues to struggle in terms of blocking. From a run-blocking perspective, this unit just didn't get the job done. Too many times, defenders were getting off of blocks way too easily, and making tackles for almost little to no gain for South Carolina's running backs. We finished with 79 rushing yards as a team in this game. 79 rushing yards against Georgia State. If we can't get more than 79 rushing yards against a team like Georgia State, what are we going to do when we play some of these other opponents later down the schedule? The interior run blocking was almost non-existent. Any holes that were opened up weren't big enough for our running backs to be able to easily bulldoze their way through. Now, I will admit this, not every stuffed run play was on the offensive line. There was a lot of outside runs, especially, where there were multiple occasions of missed blocks by both the tight ends and wide receivers, or maybe blocks that were not engaged long enough, and that ruined chances for what could have been potentially some big explosive plays In South Carolina's running game. So South Carolina had some opportunities, but normally because of just one or two guys either struggling or just flat out not really making a block on their guy, the play would get blown up. That comes down to execution, in my opinion, at the end of the day. Pass blocking was very inconsistent as well. Now, they did have moments where they did handle Georgia State's pass rush quite well. But Rattler, for one reason or another, and admittedly, I should have paid more attention to the receivers in this game because of what I'm about to say, he would stand back in the pocket for sometimes four, five, six seconds with the ball with him not even thinking about getting the ball out. And I don't know if that was because the receivers were just covered down the field and he was waiting for one to break open, or because of all the coverage that Georgia State runs on their defense, he just didn't feel comfortable trying to throw the ball in a certain window. The online also did have moments where... There was almost instant pressure on Spencer Rattler, forcing him to have to roll out. Now, some of this did happen due to some strong side or weak side blitzes, which basically allowed a defender to come right off the edge scot-free, which basically forced Rattler to have to scramble out of the pocket, try to shake loose of the defenders, and This could have also been partly due to Spencer Rattler not putting the O-line in the right protection scheme, which would be logical to think, especially since this is his first game in this pro-style offense for South Carolina. And yes, they've had a lot of time to practice this stuff in spring practice and now fall camp, which of course concluded just recently, but this was the first live action type of game that this team got to play against another opponent, an opponent in which there is no script. You don't know exactly what their calls or coverages are going to be on any given play. And that does, of course, change things a little bit. And Georgia State was very unique in which how they tried to pressure Spencer Rattler with all the stunts they did up front with wherever the fourth rusher sometimes was coming from the second level or maybe, you know, coming off of one edge. Wherever that would be, and of course, also sometimes bringing some blitzes off the edge as well. So how do the wide receivers, tight ends, and running backs do on offense for this football game? Who were some of the standouts out of this group? I'll get into all of that in just a few moments, but before I do that, it has been a minute and I do need to talk to y'all about our friends over at Bilt Bar because they have Great, nutritious, healthy protein bars for those of you who may be looking for one right now. And they have a new flavor at Built: Cookie dough and marshmallow covered in chocolate. If I need to explain any further, here's what you need to know. It's only 160 calories and they have a whopping 15 grams of protein. It's the perfect treat. I just got myself another order of these things from Built. They are my favorite protein bar out there right now. What's also great about Built is all these bars have collagen protein in them, which helps your body absorb everything that you intake more efficiently, and it provides you tons of health benefits because of that. Whether you need a snack after a workout, a late night treat, or you just need to grab a quick bite to eat, build is the perfect protein bar and at the same time can taste better than a candy bar. So get to Build.com right now to order your box of cookie dough chunk puffs today. And if you're looking to save some money, we got you covered there as well. When you go to Built.com, be sure to use the promo code LOCKEDON15 to get 15% off of your order. Again, that's LOCKEDON15 for 15% off at Built.com. Go right now while the offer lasts. Welcome back to segment two of today's game recap show. Locked on Gamecocks podcast where we cover your South Carolina Gamecocks every single day. All right. To kick off segment two, let's talk about the wide receiver and tight end units real quick. The receivers and tight ends did have their good and bad moments from the Georgia State game as well, just like some of these other units. In terms of good things, we saw the emergence of Antoine Wells Jr. and the re-emergence of Jalen Brooks, who, of course, missed a lot of the 2021 season due to some personal reasons. Both of those guys were extremely helpful for Rattler when he was running outside of the pocket and Brooks in particular made a couple of really nice snags in this game helping to extend a couple of Game Cock drives but the problem with the wide receiver and tight end units from Saturday night was outside of Wells Jr. and Jalen Brooks no other receiving threat had more than 17 yards out of this specific group of players which is just unreal to think about considering the amount of guys that we have on this roster for 2022. Now, to carry on, Jordan was out with a calf injury. Amari Brown, when he had chances, quite frankly got some passes that were going to be very difficult for any of the guys to corral because of how hot they were coming in. And of course, Amari Brown being a little bit on the smaller side compared to some of these other guys, he needs a little bit of a lower pass at certain times, and he just didn't get that when he was open. And Josh Van Xavier like it, quite frankly. They just didn't make much of an impact. They kind of disappeared from a statistical standpoint in this game. And where the wide receivers and tight ends really struggled Saturday night was maintaining blocks on outside runs. Again, I mentioned earlier, the running game not really finding a groove Saturday night wasn't all on the offensive line. Wide receivers and tight ends did not do a good enough job of holding up their blocks on some of these outside tosses, some of these outside zone type plays. And sometimes they kind of just seemed like they were a little bit disinterested in trying to stay engaged with a block. And while you can't point to this reason for everything in a football game, sometimes when it comes to blocking, It all comes down to how much pride you got. How much do you want to put the opposing player in the dirt? And we just did not see that consistently from the Gamecocks in terms of this particular group on Saturday night. That has got to get cleaned up. And thankfully, that is something that is very correctable, which is a silver lining in all of this. The running back group. I can't really give y'all a whole lot of feedback mainly with this running back room because they uh, they didn't get a whole lot of help at certain times on Saturday night, and also Marshawn Lloyd and Juju McDowell were the only two guys that really played out of this rotation, so I'll talk about those two real quick. Marshawn looked extremely explosive and powerful. If there was still any doubt from any fans, if he was fully back from that ACL tear, uh, yeah, he is officially back. He had a lot of runs where he made something out of nothing. And Marshawn Lloyd also had one touchdown rushing and another touchdown on the receiving end on Saturday night, making it his first multi-touchdown game of his Gamecock career. And Juju also had a couple decent runs in his own right. But in my opinion, quite honestly, he was going east to west way too much. Basically, he was going laterally way too much, trying to almost shake defenders instead of trying to just go north south. And of course, with Juju's speed, I can understand maybe why he would think he could pretty much just, you know, kind of go to the side and get past any defender that he runs up against, especially, especially a Georgia state defender. But considering the offensive lines. Lack of consistent blocking in the running game. Juju at times, in my opinion, just needs to go full steam ahead and try to get his extra yards that way. My overall takeaway with the offense, again, there were definitely some mistakes that were made on Saturday night. The good news is there are mistakes that are correctable, like some of the bad decisions that Spencer Rattler made. Like some of maybe the bad blocking by the wider receivers and tight ends in the run blocking game in terms of outside runs. The one area that I'm still very concerned about is this offensive line in terms of their blocking. Look, we saw this same story in 2021. And again, I'm not trying to spell doom and gloom for the 2022 season. Again, we are just one game in. And I don't think people from the outside looking in realize just how good of a team Georgia State's going to be this year. I literally think they could win nine-plus games. I think they are that talented and that experienced. But for South Carolina to still struggle like they did on Saturday night, um, I, I have to be honest, I'm a little bit concerned about how they're going to be able to perform against some of these much more physical and, uh, you know, I hate to say it, more athletic and faster defenses in the SEC that they're going to go up against. So that's my overall takeaway with the offense. Now let's move on to the defense. Overall, the defense, in my opinion, passed the eyeball test in this game, but there's still some room for improvement with this side of the ball. We'll start off with the defensive line. This is a unit whom I thought had good and bad moments. Again, you've heard this now multiple times. I thought especially from a rush defense standpoint, the D-line got better as the game went along. But there were still too many explosive plays on the interior, especially. Guys on the interior of this D-line have got to do a better job of getting off blocks and affecting plays. Again, I know that these guys are taking double teams every other play. And obviously, it's not easy when you're dealing with 600 pounds of pure human mass just trying to literally bulldoze you all the way down the field. I get all of that. But these guys have got to find ways to affect plays, whether that means that they are literally shoving the offensive lineman sort of back into that gap and closing off that interior gap, or, you know, again, using just any sort of simple swipe or club move just to be able to try to at least reach Maybe part of your body inside, so that that way again you clog it up. You make a mess for the running back, and now that running back's got to stop and make another decision on where they want to go. And that's where your linebacker help comes from. And this interior D line just hasn't. It's just not doing that enough. So that's one thing that this group has got to do better with. Now, the pass rush also left a little bit to be desired in my mind, especially on the interior. We didn't get a whole lot of pressure from these guys, really unless we blitzed, unless we sent our linebackers in the middle. The edge defenders did do a good job, in my opinion, of winning their one-on-ones, especially as the game went along. And admittedly, Jordan Burch was not playing at 100%, and I think that's pretty clear for anyone who watched the game, especially live, but he fought through it in this ball game, which he deserves a lot of credit for. And I also thought that Gilbert Edmund did a really good job in this game, by the way. I was really impressed with what I saw from him. He showed a lot of flashes being that edge rusher and being able to help in pass rush. Moving on to linebacker real quick. Besides shedding blocks on inside runs being an issue... I thought that the linebackers did a really good job in this game of bringing down ball carriers and running sideline to sideline and making life a little bit more uneasy for Darren Granger when they were a part of some blitzes, especially on the interior of the defensive front. Debo Williams, in particular, was extremely impressive in my mind. After registering only six tackles in 13 games last year, Debo Williams had five as a rotational backer this past Saturday night. Sherrod Green also did not play a whole lot again. Kind of goes along the same lines of Jordan Burch. He has been apparently pretty banged up during fall camp, which is now apparently part of the reason why Muhammad Kappa was listed as the first string Mike linebacker on South Carolina's initial depth chart. So it looks like that the Gamecock coaching staff decided they wanted to hold him back a little bit. And maybe play some more of the young guys like Stone Blanton and Donovan Westmoreland who again when I saw them I thought did a good job in their own right. So overall linebacker unit I thought performed quite admirably considering the rushing attack that they were facing in Georgia State. And I'll continue my discussion with my takeaways from this defense with the defensive back unit in just a few moments. Welcome back to this Monday edition of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast where we cover your team every single day. Let's get into the final segment of today's show, starting off with the defensive back group. Now, Once again, besides just a few plays, the DBs, in my opinion, did a really good job in coverage in this game. They were breathing down receivers' necks all night long, did not have too many plays where guys had beaten them by more than maybe a step or two, had multiple pass breakups in 1v1 situations, which was really good to see. RJ Roderick did leave the game in the first quarter after suffering an arm injury and did not return, so... The freshman DBs had to sort of step up a little bit on Saturday night. Obviously, Nick Emanwuri, who has gotten a lot of praise from this coaching staff throughout all of fall camp, was the first one sent out there. And he had two key stops in this game, both on a fourth down and third down attempt by the Georgia State Panthers. That fourth down attempt coming on the same drive, which R.J. Roderick was down and out, and he had to get thrown in there. And basically, that play happened three or four plays later. So talk about being ready for the moment for Nick worry that was such a great sight to see for the young, promising freshman who looks to be a big part of this defense for the next several years. Also, DQ Smith, he had a really decent night. He had two tackles to his name and returned one of the blocked punts back for a touchdown. And then Kawan Banks, the third true freshman who was listed as a second stringer on this defensive back depth chart. He went into the game for a few plays himself and almost had a diving pick against a receiver that he was covering. I mean, like full fledged, went horizontal, reached his hands out, and the ball was in his hands. He just wasn't able to hang on to it. And it would have been an absolutely incredible interception if he had been able to pull it off. But nonetheless, Really, really solid signs that, uh, yeah, these freshman defensive backs, these coaches weren't just blowing smoke when they were talking about these guys in fall camp. These guys, all three, look like they're going to be some ball players for South Carolina in the future. And also, graduate transfer safety Devani Reed, he had a couple of nice moments in the game as well that I saw, especially in rush defense, running up, crashing into a gap, and helping to bring down the Panthers' ball carriers. So now let me move on to the special teams unit real quick, which quite honestly was the unit that won us this ball game. Now you have to think about what happened in this game. Mitch Jeter, who went into his first game ever as the starting place kicker, hit two fifty-plus yard field goals while handling kickoff duties and never allowing a return. Kai Croker, who was dealing with a foot injury all fall camp, not only played but had the fourth or fifth longest punt in Carolina history with a 79-yard booming punt from deep in South Carolina's own territory, completely flipping the field, and quite frankly was a play in which really helped the Gamecocks at that time as I believe they were only up by a couple of points against Georgia State. And South Carolina not only blocked one, but two punts and returned them both back for touchdowns. So... I have to be honest, I would go on record to say that uh, that might have been the best special teams game I've ever seen for South Carolina. I've never seen us have this many plays from a special teams perspective go completely right for South Carolina with that much effort, with how much it ended up playing a big factor in this game. Yeah, the special teams unit deserves a lot of credit. And again, it was Beamer Ball 2.0 and it won us this ball game, quite frankly, or at least really helped us separate ourselves from Georgia State by the end. So lots of props to the special teams unit. Um, I think that Pete Limbo is going to be a very popular special teams coordinator um, candidate for a lot of schools after this season, especially if they continue to play the way they did this past Saturday night. All right, let's move forward and look ahead to Arkansas. The biggest problem with the issues we saw against Georgia State is we don't have a week or two to get these corrected before a quote-unquote bigger game. We don't have an FCS opponent upcoming. We don't have South Carolina State coming up this next week. We don't have maybe a lower-ranking group of five team coming in this next week. No, because again, whoever came up with the schedule, uh, they have it out apparently for South Carolina because South Carolina's now got to go to Fayetteville, Arkansas to take on the Arkansas Razorbacks this next Saturday. Now, offensively, I do, again, believe that it was more of an execution issue more so than the play calling. You know, just because of what happened last season with this offense, if this offense sputters at any moment, Marcus Satterfield's going to catch a lot of flack from a lot of fans. And I will admit, I think a lot of it, quite frankly, at least at this moment, is extremely unnecessary because, you know, we did not empty the chamber, so to speak, in terms of the play calling. But I will also say I don't think that we can use going extremely vanilla as an excuse for the way this offense played. If anything, that, in my opinion, is More concerning, the fact that we kept calling maybe some of the same plays, and yet we were still struggling to execute them to the best of our ability. But again, besides the offensive line blocking, I do think that everything else is very correctable. Now, the defense will have their work cut out for them because Arkansas is going to be bringing in a very potent rushing attack, and they're going to have better athletes at each of those positions, and unlike Georgia State, they're going to have a somewhat competent passing game to go along with this rushing game. And so the interior defensive line, they're going to have to be better this next weekend at shedding blocks or our linebackers are going to have a long Saturday afternoon. For that matter, the Gamecock defense might have a long Saturday afternoon if they do not do better. Now, I do think that Arkansas does have some vulnerabilities here. Based on the little bit of game film I have watched up to this point, I do think that their offensive line is actually a little bit suspect in terms of pass protection. From a run-blocking perspective, they are pretty solid, but pass protection is a little bit of a different story from what I've seen. Also, I don't think that Arkansas did the greatest job covering Cincinnati's wideouts. And again, while I'm not going to say that South Carolina's wide receiver room is above and beyond what Cincinnati has, because again, we're talking about a team that made the college football playoff this past season. I would have to think that South Carolina's wide receiver room from a talent standpoint is better than Cincinnati's. And Cincinnati, quite frankly, had a lot of missed opportunities in the first half against Arkansas, where they had open receivers But their quarterback, Ben Bryant, just could not deliver the ball where it needed to be. So I do think that South Carolina's receiver room could have some success against Arkansas. And because of that, I think this could be a little bit of an offensive battle here between the Razorbacks and the Gamecocks. But, of course, I am going to have to watch more game film before I finalize all my thoughts on this. And we're going to have to go over the rest of this as the week progresses because that is going to do it for today's show of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast. I do hope that y'all thoroughly enjoyed today's show as always. What were y'all's thoughts on the Georgia State game? What mistakes do you think are correctable from this past Saturday night's game? Is there anything that maybe gives you a bunch of concerns that I did not bring up on today's show? Do you think that there's anything that we did really good at that I didn't give the proper shout out to on today's show? And also, what are your initial thoughts on how this Arkansas game could go? Maybe what South Carolina needs to be looking for? I do want to hear all of y'all's thoughts as always down below in the comment section if you're watching this on YouTube. And of course, if you are listening to today's show on an audio podcast app, wherever you get your podcast daily, you can also feel free to shoot me a message at a line underscore sc on Twitter. And I'll be sure to respond to any replies or comments that you have for me as quickly as I see them. And again, I appreciate all of you for making the Locked On GameCocks podcast. Your first listen every single day. You are what makes this show possible. So I ask you for your second listen, go check out the Ultimate Pro Football Preview for 2022. This is an eight-episode extravaganza to get you ready for the NFL season, combining the thoughts and analysis of both local team experts and the NFL insiders of the Locked On Podcast Network. So search for Ultimate Pro Football Preview 2022 on your Odyssey app, YouTube, YouTube or wherever you get your podcast. But once again y'all, that's going to do for me on today's show. I hope y'all have a great rest of your Monday and a great start to the work week. And again, no matter what, the Gamecocks are starting 1 and 0, which is always important when you are playing in the SEC. I'll catch y'all on the next show of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast.